NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods. And I'm Waylon Wong. Darian, did you catch anything good on TV this weekend? I don't watch a lot of TV, but my friends have talked a lot about the latest episode of Succession. Oh, you mean this one? I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and your heirs and successors according to... Oh, I, I see what you did there. That's right. The coronation of King Charles III took place this weekend in Britain. There was pomp and circumstance and, of course, many reminders of British imperial history. To pray for Charles, our king, to recognize and to give thanks for his life of service to this nation, the realms and the Commonwealth. Right. So the Commonwealth, which King Charles is the head of, is this voluntary membership organization made of 56 countries. Almost all of them are former British colonies. The Commonwealth countries represent two and a half billion people. It is this massive slice of the world's population linked mostly by historical ties to the British Empire. The major transition taking place in the monarchy is adding to ongoing questions about the future of the Commonwealth and whether it's still useful for its members. Today on the show, we look at some of those questions through an economic lens to see how one group of Commonwealth countries is linked to the UK and what the future of that relationship might look like. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at eTrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. Support for NPR and the following message come from State Farm. As a State Farm agent and agency owner, Lakeisha Gaines understands the support small businesses need. Every day we get the privilege of helping people to recover from the unexpected, realize their dreams. For small business owners, we help them to think about all the things that are necessary so that they can continue to run their businesses successfully without interruption. Talk to your local agent about small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Commonwealth, in its modern form, has been around since 1949. For the monarchy, it's an important global organization that promotes democracy and peace and trade among its members. So, like, not the violent and oppressive British empire of the past, but a modern and cooperative group of countries. Queen Elizabeth, while she was on the throne, paid over 200 visits to Commonwealth countries. The late queen was a huge proponent of the Commonwealth, and she spoke of its importance regularly, like in this interview from 1986. That it is this enormous number of countries who all have very many of the same traditions and speak the same language and and mostly all get on very well together. That is the spirit of the modern Commonwealth. But the origins of many member countries' relationships with Britain are fraught. Take the Caribbean. Its ties with the British Empire go back to the transatlantic slave trade. Delano D'Souza is an economist at the University of the West Indies, and he's based at its Barbados campus. He researches economic development and trade in the Caribbean. There's always going to be that colonial legacy 
uh, that, that trails you uh, as an organization of this nature. But they recognize the need almost to rebrand, which I think in many respects they have successfully done. So here's some of the stuff that the Commonwealth does, funded by contributions by members on a sliding scale. It sends election observers to countries. It convenes meetings of government leaders on everything from education policy to human rights. It holds a big athletic competition every four years, like its own version of the Olympics. And in terms of economic and financial support, the Commonwealth advises governments on managing their debts. It also promotes trade between members. But Delano thinks the organization could do more to link Caribbean and African countries. If we remember our history, we know that our Caribbean peoples are primarily descendants of the African continent because of the slave trade uh, that was perpetuated for hundreds of years. Delano says the Caribbean and African members of the Commonwealth want greater connectivity through trade and tourism. But right now, there aren't even direct flights between the regions. At the end of the day, unless there's the infrastructure in place in terms of the trade, in terms of the air and sea linkages, how do you get the goods there? How do you get the tourists from here to there and vice versa? And I think that's a big part of what um, the Caribbean and African countries are looking towards the Commonwealth for. When it comes to increasing trade, one major limitation for the Commonwealth is that it's not a formal trading bloc. And that means that member countries have to negotiate amongst themselves. So in the Caribbean, countries have banded together to work out trade deals with major partners like the European Union, the US and the UK. The ability to access these markets are are quite important. Uh, And the ability to do so on preferential terms is even more important for our Caribbean nations, which are largely developing countries. Keeping these preferential terms became really important when the UK left the European Union. The Caribbean bloc and the UK had to work out a new trade deal. When they signed it in 2019, the UK government said it would save Caribbean exporters of bananas and sugarcane millions of pounds in tariff charges a year. Brexit has also had an impact for Caribbean countries in terms of tourism. The region has always drawn a lot of British tourists, but after Brexit, these visitors stayed longer. That's according to George Ann Ryan, who lives in Antigua, an island of 100,000 people. When you go into the supermarket, it's like two-thirds rental cars. We've had a huge increase in British people coming and having long-term stays. Brexit meant their holiday homes in France and Spain became less attractive to them because of the new legal and logistical issues that they face. So the Caribbean became their next playground. Georgia grew up in Antigua. She studied economics and international affairs in the U.S. and then moved back home to the island in 2020. She teaches entrepreneurship and helps run her family business. This is a company her dad started in 1969 as a construction firm. Today, it includes a car dealership, a hardware store, and a houseware store that she says is kind of like the target of Antigua. And Georgian says, yeah, these long-term visitors from Britain are buying stuff to furnish their homes. They're putting money into the local economy for now. But she's not counting on them to stick around. We try not to think of them as kind of like a long-term steady state, but more of a bubble that we can try to maximize in this time, um, but hopefully don't overstock ourselves to the extent where when they disappear, we're just kind of stuck. And when Georgian thinks more broadly about the Commonwealth, she doesn't see the ties between Britain and its former colonies as being all that meaningful today. She says China has actually stepped up its involvement in the Caribbean by investing in infrastructure, including in Antigua and Barbuda. We're in a limbo situation where the hegemonies don't really know what to do with us. They know they have like some kind of obligation to us because of our shared history, but we're no longer geopolitically strategic to them until 
um, China comes into the play, then it becomes like, well, hey, like, these are our kids. And there are other thorny economic questions facing the UK and King Charles when it comes to the future and relevance of the Commonwealth for the Caribbean. Questions about reparations for slavery, for example, and about how to split the costs of addressing climate change. King Charles has long advocated for nature conservation, and in a speech in Barbados in 2021, he made a rare acknowledgement of the atrocity of slavery. But Georgianne, for her part, isn't sure he's the right leader for these conversations. The saliency of the Commonwealth Project is pretty rocky, not only in the Caribbean, but I think all over the world, because like my parents literally cried when Elizabeth died. But I think with Charles, is not that veneration. And so I think if the Commonwealth were to be really useful, they have to like address like they're really shaky marketing um, when it comes to social issues and race, but also look at being a helpful policy direction steerer. Either way, this political and cultural and economic network continues to grow. Most recently in 2022, the Francophone African nations of Togo and Gabon joined the group. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering from Catherine Silva. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. is our senior producer, Kiki Cannon edits the show, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research. On, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR.